Tiffany, tell us a little bit about why you think financial education is so important, especially for women entrepreneurs. Yes, it's important because at the end of the day, the less you know, the more people can get over on you. And unfortunately, that happens a lot, especially in the black and brown communities. And so my thing is, you want to know as much as you can, even if you decide that you don't want to do it yourself, like let's say, for instance, you want to hire someone to do to, to do a task for you, you want to know what what they're going to be doing. You want to know the basics behind that. So that way they don't get over on you. You'll be more informed and well-informed on what's going on. Um, so that's why I feel like financial education is important. One aspect. The other aspect is um, a lot of times financial education is the gap to where, where from where we are to where we want to be. And so at the end of the day, if you want to be in a different, wherever you are, you know, starting, if you want to be at the next level, whatever that is, you're probably going to need the education to go along with it. And so it's super important. And especially in our communities um, to go ahead and get that education down. And you can just start with the basics. It, it doesn't have to be hard. You can listen to this episode and <laughs> you can get some of the basics, you know? Um, so just tiptoe your way into it. And um, I feel like it's super important for us to do not only for ourselves, but for our entire community. Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. If you are new to the family, to our community, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Tiffany Grant, award-winning personal finance blogger, podcaster, coach, and educator. I love how you call yourself a self-proclaimed money nerd and being proud of it. I love it. I love it in so many levels because this is what I'm talking about, being unapologetically yourself. And this is what the show is all about. We're going to be talking about the importance of financial education. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And yes, I am a nerd. I've been a nerd my <laughs> entire life and I am proud of that. So. That's awesome. I love it. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you fall in love with numbers? Because this is something as women, we run away from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in most cases, not all women, but in most cases, and I include myself. <laughs> at what age did you become money conscious and you started loving numbers? Yeah. And so, okay. So <laughs> here's a, here's a funny thing. I really don't like numbers like that. Um, like when it comes to math, like mental math, I'm horrible. Give me a calculator. I can calculate anything. Um, <laughs> 
But to answer your question, I remember being as young as like six or so and clipping coupons and putting it in my mind, like, oh my gosh, like this is money. Like, you know, people are just throwing away 50 cents and a dollar and, you know, all of that stuff. And so that's when it started kind of clicking for me that there are different ways to save money and make money and all types of stuff. And so at that age as well, I had one of my first businesses, which was called Tiffany's Cafe. And I could not cook at the time because I was only like five. So I had to hire my first staff member that did not get paid. And that was my grandma. And um, (laughs) so what I would do is I would go and ask her and I would say, hey, Nana, what are you cooking for dinner tonight? And she would tell me and I would go and make up a whole menu, you know, pass it around at dinner time, take orders, go back to the kitchen, tell her, you know, what everybody wanted, um, serve it and everything. And then I would come around my piggy bank and say, okay, you know, you ate a good meal. Now it's time for me to collect my payment. (laughs) So, you know, at that time, you know, it was like 10 cent for rice, 20 cent for chicken. Like it was really cheap. So my family didn't mind me um, going around (laughs) and collecting that. Uh, But Ever since then, I have been like a serial entrepreneur. I have been very focused on learning as much as I can about money because unfortunately, in um, at least in the Black household, I don't know about the Brown household, but in the Black household, it is not talked about. Matter of fact, it's borderline taboo because it's like, okay, you know, a child should stay in a child's place. They shouldn't know about money um, as far as how much the parents make, what's going out. Just be a kid, you know, just enjoy. But see, it's really doing us a disservice because Mm -hmm. we're not learning that stuff early. And so um, growing up, I didn't have any financial education whatsoever. All I saw was that my family was spenders, (laughs) like everybody in my family was a spender. And I saw the credit cards piling up. I saw the bankruptcies. I saw the foreclosures. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if this is what I want in life. And so that's when I started to educate myself on what was out there. And I did that by reading like Money Magazine and Kiplinger when they used to come in the mail and um, listening to podcasts and, uh, you know, just engrossing reading bloggers and stuff. And so I just taught myself, um, you know, as much as I could about money. And then um, part of my story as well is I was a teen mom. So I got pregnant at 17, had my son at 18. And that really flipped my world upside down because I was like, now I have to really pay attention. Like I have a little person that's going to depend on me for pretty much the rest of their life, or at least until they're 18. And so I'm like, okay, I have to make sure that I'm a good example for him. And so that's kind of what really put me in overdrive when it came to dealing with my money. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. (laughs) Wow. And what I love about the story, I can relate a little about, you know, not the saving part, (laughs) but the entrepreneurial part. So in my case, it was like sending mangoes to the neighbors or doing, um, I used to do choreographies and with my, cause I'm the oldest of the cousins. So I will, you know, train them and we will do plays for the neighbors and charge them. But the part for me was as soon as I had the money, I was like, okay, Christmas is coming. Everyone is going to get a gift. Like my neighbors, everybody got a gift. So the saving part was not really my thing. And so you were a single mom 
And at 18, did you go back to school for finances or for to get a career on did you have an idea of a career? <laughs> yeah. So actually, okay. So my whole entire life up until I was 18, um, I wanted to be a chef. So that's why I had like the Tiffany's Cafe. And, you know, in awesome. high school, I was taking culinary classes and um, I actually got accepted into uh, Johnson and Wales, which is a culinary university. And that's where I was going to go. And then like a week later, I found out I was pregnant with my son. And I was like, oh, well, I can't do that anymore <laughs> because I'm not, you know, going so far away and I'm going to need help, you know, all that stuff. And so I said, okay, time to switch gears. So I'm like, okay, what else am I super interested in? And that was business. So I went to my local community college because it was too late to apply anywhere else. Um, it was very last minute. And even when I was sitting in there with the register lady, she was like, why are you here? <laughs> she was like, your GPA is great. Like, you know, you, you should be at a university. And I'm like, well, you know, things happen and it's okay. You know, this is actually, and I'm looking back hindsight 2020. I'm so glad I went that route because community college is like a cost saving hack. Like I went through two years of just community college before I transferred to a university. And I ended up graduating with my bachelor's with less than like 13,000. Um, and student loans. And it was because I did my first two years at a community college where they paid me to go. Like I didn't have to pay anything. I was getting Pell grants and stuff, and then I was still getting refunds. So it's like they were paying me to go to school. So I'm like, okay, well, why not? So that that's one tip I would leave with the audience. If you are thinking about college or you have, you know, an up-and-coming college student, you know, there's nothing wrong with community college and you can always yeah. transfer. That's exactly what I did. So um, I transferred to a university, got my bachelor's degree, then I took a year off and then I went back and got my master's. So uh, like I said, I've always been a nerd and now I am actually on my way to a PhD. So I'm applying this year and then I should be enrolled next year. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but like I said, I am a super nerd and I also put extra emphasis on what can be done even as a single parent or a teen parent or whatever you want to call it. I like to be that example. Like you can still go to school. Like I never missed a beat. You know, when my, my son was born in June, I was still, I went to classes in August, um, you know, and I did everything online. So there is a way. So I did everything online when I was at the community college. And also when I transferred to the university, they had an online program as well. So my whole undergrad degree was online. So I was able to take care of my son and um, go ahead and get my degree finished. And um, of course, that's why I had the student loans after I transferred because I'm like, oh, I need this money. Um, so I did take out loans the last two years. But other than that, yeah, um, I tell people all the time, you know, circumstances happen, but it doesn't have to stop you and it doesn't have to, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a crutch. Like you can do whatever it is that you put your mind to. You just have to figure out a way to get it done. <laughs> There's no excuse. I love it. There's no excuse. And you're proof of it mm -hmm. because you were a single mom and where did you, did you say you had two boys? Yes. Yeah, so at that time or 
Not at that time. So I had my second son when I was 20. Don't quote me. This is horrible. I think I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like 22, 21, somewhere up in there. I was still in my bachelor's program um, when I had my second son. Wow. So there's no excuse, people. You are proof. And what I love about your story is that it can be done. Um, I know how hard it is for a single mom to raise children. I come from a single parent home. My mom was a single mom. My grandmother was a single mom. And when I went back to school, I got married, but I didn't have children. I was a stepmom, but I didn't have the children like full time all the time. It was just on the weekends. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that it is really hard to have a full-time job and going full-time school. And I cannot even imagine you having two boys and doing that extra, extra work as a single mom. So let's talk a little bit about, because when I read this in your profile, Lean Lean Six Sigma Mm -hmm. Yellow Belt, I was like, what? This girl can fight. No, <laughs> that's nothing to do with fighting. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, l- let me just do a little research because I've never heard that before. So I'm thinking martial arts. And I'm like, man, this woman is a powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, so, no. So we're going to be talking about uh, financial education. What is a Lean Six Sigma yellow belt and how does that help? us like if you're gonna you were to help me with my finances how would that help me let me clear it up um so (laughs) that is so funny um first I wanted to hit on when you said how do you do so there was a time where I had a full-time job a part-time job going to school full-time and I had my two boys um so yeah it was very hectic and I was doing side hustling too like luckily I did have a good support system in like my grandma you know that could watch the boys when I go to school for the masters because I did that in person um so luckily I had that but yeah I was hustling my butt off at one point um (laughs) but anyway to clear up the Lean Six Sigma so that is more so my corporate background is in HR okay so I I actually got that when I was in HR and what it is, is like lean techniques. So um, for instance, processes. So if there is a process um, and you want to make sure that you're spending the least amount of money, but getting the most productivity, that's where Lean Six Sigma comes in. Um, And so they have like yellow belt, green belt, black belt, you know, so on and so forth. And um, if anybody is interested in, you know, project management or processes and things like that, highly recommend going through it. Um, honestly, I did it because I needed the credits for my HR certification, but, oh, okay. um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was very insightful and it was very interesting. Um, and so I highly recommend if you have any interest in that whatsoever, but I will say I am an accredited financial counselor. So that's where the personal finance piece comes in. And so what I do with that is I help people come up with strategies to, um, a, get their mind right about money, first of all, because that's where it's the starts. mindset. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. Honestly, money is very emotional and you have to tap into yes. that um, in order to make anything work. Right. And so we get into that. We get into um 
creating goals. So I'm very heavy on goal setting and making sure they align with your values because that's important as well. And then we get into budgeting and, you know, debt payoff. If that's one of your goals, we come up with a whole strategy on how to get it done. I've helped people pay off thousands and thousands and thousands um, in debt. And it's just so invigorating for me. I love when I get texts from clients and they're like, oh, I paid off this credit card or, oh, I paid off this loan. And I'm like, yeah. Can we celebrate? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I can feel your energy that you really love this stuff. I really do. It is so fun for me. I, I tell people, I used to say I'm a money strategist because I love strategizing how to get the most bang for your buck, how to save the most money because I'm very frugal, very frugal. Um, and I love how to um, pay off debt as fast as possible. Like all of those things I love talking about and teaching people about and then helping them through it. So I, yeah, I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> So if someone that is listening and they were to take out a pen and paper, what would be the number one thing that that you will tell them to do if they're feeling overwhelmed about, you know, even talking about money, Ooh, especially yes. in the creative community? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so there's a few things, right? So I have a lot of different techniques and strategies and things like that. But if I'm talking to someone that, let's say, for instance, I've had clients that are boohoo crying when they're when they come to me because it's just that overwhelming where they're like, I feel so hopeless. Um, and you know, they're crying. Now, when you're crying and you're in that type of headspace, it's impossible for you to think clearly. So one exercise that I love doing with those types of clients is I will change the whole dynamic instead of me saying, oh, what are your financial goals, you know, and stuff like that. What I will do is because that can trigger it even more. They're like, well, I'll never get there, you know, and so the tears. It's like, start. I want a million dollars, but you know what? How do I get there? I don't have a job. But my life is crumbling. Um, so what I, what I, how I start those conversations is I'm like, okay, let's just reset. Let's just imagine that life is perfect right now. And you are living the life that you always dreamed of. And I want you to explain to me what that looks like. And so what, what that does is it takes them out of that negative, you know, autopilot that they're currently in. And now they're starting to think positively. They're starting to think, oh, well, I would love to have a big house and, you know, a million dollars just sitting in the bank, you know, so on and so forth. And as they're telling me their story and what they want that to look like, I'm actually capturing what their goals are, right? Because if you if you um, are saying what your ideal life is like, of course, you're going to start talking about subcon even subconsciously what your goals are. And so I'm sitting there writing down what their goals are. So I, that's one thing I would tell people to start with is if you are in a situation where you feel super overwhelmed and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I can do this. Just start dreaming, right? Just start dreaming this power in dreaming. And then once you do that, write down what you're dreaming about. Um, because I also believe that there's power in writing stuff down and letting the universe know what you want. And so um, start writing that down. Now, if you get past that step and you're like, okay, I've, I'm calmed down. There's a way out. I can see it. <laughs> you know, we're good. Then I also tell people to start tracking their expenses. Okay. Mm, so that's a great, very important to start. And it's low hanging fruit. 
you know, I'm not asking you to budget. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. I'm just asking you to simply, whenever you buy something, just write it down or, you know, record it in an app or Excel, wherever you want to put it and just track it. Now, I can tell you from experience when I get my clients to do this, they already start budgeting without knowing they're budgeting because they're like, OMG, I did not know I was spending this amount of money at XYZ or eating out or alcohol and going out with friends, mm, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be. Going to and, the restaurants. Yeah, the <laughs> restaurants, entertainment, clubs, bars, whatever, you know, whatever you like to do. A lot of times you don't realize how much you're spending because you don't track it. And so I say this is like the easiest entryway is just to start tracking. Once you do that, <laughs> I can almost guarantee you'll start saving money somewhere <laughs> um, because yes. you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I did not realize this. And I tell people when you start tracking and when you create a budget or a spending plan, money manifestation tool, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> if budgeting is triggering for you, um, whatever you want to call it, it's like giving yourself a raise. Like you'll be surprised mm. how much money you actually make versus how much you have going out. And really a lot of times people don't have a, a, a earning problem. They have a spending problem. And so, you know, just putting more awareness around that, I think would be very helpful for people. So those, I know you asked for one, but those are my two tips. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Cause I was going to tell you, um, well, if, you know, one thing to do is to dream, then the next to do is to take the action steps to actually get over. But it's true what you said. First, we need to take care of the mindset. Because when we are in that state of the negative, it's like, oh, but I know what I have to do, but I, why can't I do it? God, <laughs> God, tell me, tell me what to do. It's like, he's telling you what to do. And you're like, but I, how? And we continue asking how. So, you know, sometimes, you know, bringing people, like hiring people like yourself, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. and and, it, and to budget cuz the next excuse is going to be like but i don't have money to hire tiffany like then we need to budget for that mm -hmm. and honestly I, I'm not as expensive as people think I am, honestly. Um, it's very affordable. I keep it that way because I want to help, you know, the people that need the help. Like, it's no point in me charging an exorbitant amount of money for fees when the people that I'm trying to help are ex in those exact situations. And honestly, you know, I also believe we spend money on what we value. And so that's exactly. why it's important to tie your goals to your values, because whatever you value, you will spend money on. If you value, let's say looking good, right? You're going to spend money on looking good. You might spend three or $400 on looking good. Um, you know, maybe it's shoes or maybe it's clothes or maybe it's the new handbag or what have you, because that's what you value. So if that's something, so if you value, you know, getting out of debt and being good with your money and money management, then you will find a way to make it happen. And to give yes. you an example, when I was, um, oh, it was way back. I was making like $10 an hour. Or so I had my one son still, and I was getting ready to graduate. Let me see. I was I think, no, I was like a year and a half away from graduation, right? From my undergrad. And 
I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Like, what kind of job or, you know, I need a resume, all that stuff. And so what I did was I hired a career coach. Now, at the time, I was broke, 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 broke. Like, I found... (laughs) (laughs) Broke with a capital B. Right. (laughs) I found the invoice not too long ago um, because I still had it on my computer and... I think she was only charging me like $150. And I remember that I was like negotiating, like, oh, you know, I can't afford this all up front. Yeah, I thought it was $150,000. That's what it felt like at the time. And I'm like, I can't afford, you know, to pay all of this. You know, can we do a payment plan? Like, that's how, you know, I, I didn't have any money. And so... She was like, luckily, she was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, we could do a payment plan or what have you. And she decided to work with me. But that changed my entire life and my entire trajectory, because I tell her to this day, I'm like, if it wasn't for you, you know, um, giving me the sauce, giving me the recipe, like how to navigate corporate America, um, I wouldn't be nowhere near where I am today. I can almost guarantee it because I went from making $10, $11 an hour to, um, I think my last job in HR was at about like 70,000 a year. And that was in the course of like three or four years. Like it was very, very fast. And I'm like, I credit that all to my career coach. So anyway, I say that to say, sometimes you just need someone to give you the recipe, give you the formula, and then you can take it and run with it and implement. And that's the important part too. You have to implement, you have to Mm -hmm. implement you know, if you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, that's insanity, right? Um, Because it'll never happen. You have to, if you want change, you have to put in the work in order to make it happen. And if you need help, then there's plenty of people out here, including myself, um, that can help you do that. Uh, So yes, I completely, that is, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I love the, what you were saying about, you know, your mentor or coach. And, and that is so important. And um, I remember when my mentor said, um, people buy what they value. And it's so true what you're saying, because I'm like, wow, you know, like people say, oh, you never make money with photography and blah, blah, blah. And the art, the starving artist. Right. And it's like and she said, no, it's people buy what they value. Why are you doing what you're doing? right? If you value your craft, people are going to value your craft. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if I'm a business, I need to operate with the mindset of a business, Mm -hmm. because otherwise, I'm not going to be a, you know, I I won't be able to afford to pay myself (laughs) with $150. It's like, what am I going to pay? I cannot even send my kids to um, college. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like, let's be real. So, you know, it's like what I was saying is budgeting to hire you, even if you're like not the most expensive one and people are still going to cry about it. It's like it's like becoming conscious and changing your mindset and saying, hey, I need Tiffany in my life. Mm-hmm. How do I make that happen? You told them already how you make that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yes. yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, it it all goes back to what you value. And that's why it's so important to tap into that, honestly, Um, because you have to figure out, like, for instance, for me, I value spending time with my boys. I value, um, you know, my 
my family. And so I was like, okay, how can I spend more time with my boys? And I was like, well, I can do that by becoming an entrepreneur. Okay, so how do I do that? And so I created a whole plan. It was like a whole (laughs) exit strategy. Um, (laughs) And then I implemented it because that was what was important to me. Now I'm like, "Mm, maybe I spent a little too much time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Go back to school. (laughs) That's what my girls tell me. Mom, when we go to school, you said, oh, I miss you. When we're here, go back to school. Yes, I was like, COVID, yeah, COVID had put a whole different perspective on that. I was like, OMG, um, I need y'all to go back during the day. Um, but anyway, but all of that to say, it's so important to know your values and then also get help. Like if there's something that you don't like to do, like for me, I don't like cleaning. I'm going to just be honest. Cleaning is just not me. I don't like it, but I know I need a clean house. So I'm like, okay, let me hire a housekeeper. Someone that loves cleaning, loves organizing. Um, This is what brings their heart joy. And I'm like, you have at it and I will happily pay for it. So, you know, whatever it is that you don't like doing, try to farm it out as much as possible. Because if not, you end up turning your wheels and spending too much time on something that is not enjoyable to you. And then the flip side of that, and let me know, I'm going on too many tangents, but um, <laughs> the flip side of that, whatever it is you love to do, there's someone out there willing to pay you for it. So like you were yes. saying, you know, the artists and, you know, photographer, videographer stuff, I hear that all the time. Oh, they don't make money. And my thing is, well, what about the people that do, because there are people that make a lot of money doing it. And so what's the difference between you and them? And then now you need to start trying to figure out how to fill that, fill that gap. Because if this is something that's important to you and you see other people making money doing it, you need to start looking at, okay, well, how are they operating? How are they, how do they have their structure? What are they doing? You know, and start kind of thinking through how you can make those strategies work for your business. Um, I'm a firm believer in not reinventing the wheel. Um, So if there's someone that you look up to in your industry, just take a peek, you know, for me, um, Mine was Susie Orman and at one point, Dave Ramsey. And so I read both of their books, knew their stories front and back. And I'm like, okay, this is how that, like, this was their recipe. This was their game plan. Now, how can I implement some of these things in my life? And then I kind of slowly see myself getting to that level as well. So, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what you love to do. You can make money. That's, yes. that's pretty much the gist of it. <laughs> yes, I love that. And that reminded me, um, I was driving and when people tell me, you know, all of their limitation and all of their excuses, and I include myself because I can, I catch myself a lot of the times making up excuses. I'm like, oh, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. <laughs> so I usually tell people that's an excuse. That's mm-hmm. an, they're like, oh, you're so annoying. <laughs> but I was driving and I'm like thinking, you know, people that think that the resources are limited. Right? I was driving and I'm like thinking, wow, this city, I'm, I'm in Miami. I don't know where you're, where you are right now. I'm in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love North Carolina. My cousin lives in South Carolina. <laughs> so, you know, I'm driving down the um, freeway. I don't know if you guys call it freeway or expressway. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, look at all these houses. And, and it's just a mile from my house. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving and I'm thinking, how many photographers 
are in this city. There could be a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. but there's like two hundred thousand people. One photographer cannot photograph all these people, mm-hmm. and if that photographer gets sick, I'm there, friend. I can help you. Like that's why you build relationships mm-hmm. because yep. I don't have thirty photographers under my belt like if I get sick mm-hmm. so it's important building those relationships as well you know it's like Absolutely. come on let, let's change our limited beliefs and mindset and I love this conversation yes I love how you said all the things you said <laughs> yeah and I wanted to mention like like you were saying um you know there's enough out here for everybody so regardless is because sometimes I hear people say oh well such and such already does that or how am I going to be different and and think about for instance the field that I'm in there's so many people doing personal finance stuff you know and if I would have let that get to me and be like oh well Tiffany you know your voice really doesn't matter you know because there's already people that do it nothing in personal finance is new or you know revolutionary we're all pretty much saying the same thing um, for the most part. So if I would have let that talk get to me, then at the end of the day, I wouldn't have started this and I wouldn't have been a a black face doing this type of stuff um, for my community. And so, you know, even if there's somebody out there doing the exact same thing, um, it doesn't matter. Think about, I give people the analogy of the bread aisle. Okay. So bread is bread. Okay. (laughs) There's there's like really no barely any differentiators <laughs> in bread like it's flour it's water it's you know all the ingredients to make bread but if you look at the bread aisle sometimes there's like two aisles of just bread and yes. at the end of the day there are people that buy each and every brand on that shelf now it could be because they love the taste of the bread it could be because they're just used to that type of bread maybe it's on sale whatever but my point is um there's bread is just bread and there's still room on the shelf for all of these brands and they all yes. still make money and so it doesn't matter you know who's doing what just do you <laughs> because exactly the there's somebody out there waiting to hear you waiting to see what you're doing waiting to um, get your product your service or what have you and there's plenty out here and um, another point to your point is that um, partnerships are super important. Like, yes, I love collaborating with people all the time. Like yesterday, it was pretty much all day collaboration. Um, I do it. I host a Twitter space on Mondays at 9 p.m. And it's just all black personal finance people. Um, and we're all in there together. It's about nine of us. And none wow. of us are like, oh, well, I want to make sure people know about me. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's never just a one person show it's all of us on the stage and we're growing together like I sent a message and I said hey did you all get any followers and everybody got new followers so it's like you know it's you can grow much faster and much better if you just collaborate with people versus trying to do it all on your own because I can tell you from experience it's impossible (laughs) yes yes there, there's something that my mentor said, collaboration instead of competition. Now I'm going to switch gears yes. and we're going to go to the pretty stuff. What is your perception of beauty? Mm, that is a good question. Um, So beauty to me is 
honestly, and I know this sounds woo-woo, but I'm a very woo-woo person, <laughs> but <laughs> beauty to me is honestly waking up every morning um, because I realize that not everybody does that. Um, and so every day that you wake up, it's a new day, it's a new possibility, and not everybody got that opportunity this morning. And so for yes. me, that's beauty. There's beauty in life in general, um, just being alive and being on earth and being able to talk to you and, you know, wake up my kids. Like all of that is beautiful to me um, because you know, a lot of times we take it for granted and mm -hmm. not everybody woke up this morning. And so I think that would be my answer because uh, I've never had that question before, but I'm like, ooh, I really like that answer. <laughs> and <laughs> that nice. it's beautiful. That is what I'm talking about. You know, like people often think about beauty on the side of being attractive mm -hmm. or being a certain height or certain weight or a certain, I don't know, skin color, color of eyes, hair, is it curly? Is it, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's also like everybody that comes to, to the show, it's like, it's the energy at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, just waking up that it's beautiful. You open your eyes, you can see, not only open your eyes, you can see. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, some people can't do that. So, you know, just being able to take in life as I'm taking in life, um, I think that's just a beautiful thing. And my last question will be being unapologetically you. To me, it's being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval to show up authentically in order to blend in. Was there something you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up your games or take your business to the next level? Yeah, um, I will say like early in my career, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't get locks. Um, you know, nobody's going to want to hire you. You know, it's not professional. Yeah, yeah, people say stuff like that. And it'd be your own people too. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, locks aren't professional. This is that. And so I let go very early on what other people think of me. Um, and I feel like that has helped me out tremendously throughout my career, throughout my life in general. Um, I'm just me. Okay. And you either take it or you leave it. And if my hair, for instance, is an issue, then this is not somewhere that I want to work anyway, or this is not somebody I want to interact with anyway, because you're only seeing what's on the surface. Usually when people, um, you know, come around me and, you know, trust me, it is not always looking good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'm like, I don't care what my hair looks like. I don't care. Um, I'm a thrift shopper. I really don't really like 90% of the time I'm in workout clothes. I go to board meetings and workout clothes. Like, that is just who I am. And I'm going to show up as me. And at the end of the day, when I open my mouth, though, I know that I'm bringing value. And so my thing is, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't put that much emphasis on appearance and stuff like that. It just never really, um, 
it just never really mattered to me. And, you know, some people are like, oh, well, if you want to be a speaker, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way and this, that, and the other. And I'm here to prove them all wrong because I look exactly how I look um, <laughs> all the time. And I have no problem getting gigs. I have no problem, you know, um, speaking to different audiences. And I do also feel like it makes you more relatable. Like if yes. you are the perfect person all the time, then a lot of people can't relate to you. Um, and so I am definitely not that person. I actually had on this maxi when I took my son to school this morning, had on this maxi dress with my Crocs. Like <laughs> I know it's like a whole fashion faux pas, but I'm just like, you know what, whatever. I'm comfortable. I feel good. And I'm on a mission. So <laughs> I love that. And what you said about people that pretend that's when we had all the conversation about imposter syndrome mm -hmm. because they want to be what society tells them to be, but you have to show up as who you are because when you present yourself as not you, mm -hmm. it's like, that's a lot of work. And then when you mess up, people are going to see you as a fake. Mm -hmm. In order to add into that point, when I was working at a financial firm now, when you see financial people you know they like in their suits they're like in their you know that's whatever. what I picture yeah <laughs> that was not me I mean I kept it professional of course because that's how I wanted to show up but I would come in my African attire I would come in you know my queen earrings I would have my lock jewelry you know whatever I decided to wear that day sometimes I would have my waist beads showing because I used to have waist beads before I got too big um <laughs> <laughs> but um, I used to have my waist beat showing. Um, however, I decided to show up that day is how I decided to show up. And even when I would meet with clients, like, you know, some of them, you, you like, this is a finance person. But then as soon as I open my mouth, they're like, oh, okay, got it. I love you. Yeah, you know, you're being you. Right? you. You portray that trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this conversation. I not really about finances, though. You made it fun, though. <laughs> you made it fun. And, you know, I'm learning more. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in business, you need to make sure the horse is going where it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I really, you made it enjoyable. I can see that when you have your clients, you make it enjoyable and relatable. That is my goal, just to make finance more approachable, um, more fun. Um, so that way, because you're more adapt to um, implement when it's like right. that. If it's boring and dry and, you know, you're just going to be like, eh, wah, 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 wah. It's like um, going so to a lawyer's office. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No offense, lawyers, but <laughs> it's kind of boring. <laughs> and, you know, so that's why I try to stay away from all the jargon. And if I do use jargon, I explain it. So that mm. way people know what I'm talking about, Um, because, you know, it's a knowledge gap. And it's important that we as a community, black and brown community, especially if there are people that are like me that love this stuff, we make it easily digestible for the rest of us. So that way we can right. all rise at the same time. Um, yes. But anyway, yes, sorry. I, I love how you said we much. all rise at the same time, mm -hmm. not push some down. And then, you know, we all rise at the same time. And with that, where can people connect with you and find you on the beautiful internet, <laughs> social media. 
Yes, I am all over the internet because that is also a slight addiction of mine. But um, you can find me at moneytalkwitht.com. So that's my website. That is my home base. You can find the blog there. Last I checked, it was like 200 and something articles. It's all free. So please dive in. Um, There's a lot of um, just general education stuff. I do like um, terminology and things and I'll break it down for you. So there's a lot over there. Then you can find my podcast, Money Talk with Tiff on wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure it's there. And then also on all the socials. And when I say all the socials, I mean it because I am, I love social media, um, at money talk with T. So that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, <laughs> YouTube. I'm literally whichever, everywhere. Whichever app you prefer, she's there. I am there. <laughs> if, and if you're you... not an Instagram person, go to Pinterest. Go to TikTok. You don't like Pinterest. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And links to where people can find you. If anybody's driving, if you're listening uh, on your break, that will be on the show notes um, of this episode. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I felt like I was chatting with a (laughs) homegirl. Yes. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at MyeLens and on Facebook page Conversations with MyeLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.